Hey, by the way, Brother Josh is preaching. I cannot remember the church he's preaching at, so lift him up. I don't know what time they start, 6 or 7, but that's what your associate pastor is. I'm going to begin reading verse 1 of chapter 2 of the book of 1 Corinthians, and we're glad for all of you. It's good to see Josh with us. He's uh, been 11 years Is that, that since, since he moved to Austin, Texas. He told me it's good to have him back, and God bless you, son. Sure, it's good to see all of you, all of our visitors that are here, but all of our regulars, you make Roxalana what it is. Now, I've got two messages for you. The good news is, and I'm going to preach both of them, out of the same passage, and, and, and I imagine this, hopefully it'll be a blessing, but you pray that it'll be brief. From where I'm standing, it looks like it will be, but that's okay, that's not a complaint. Listen to what Paul said in chapter 2 of the book of 1 Corinthians. He said, and I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save or accept Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of men's wisdom and power and demonstration of the Spirit. And that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And Father, I'm thankful tonight for the privilege of being in this place, and I'm thankful for the songs of Zion. What a glorious thing that it is to sing or hear your praises. How wonderful it is. Thank you for melody. Thank you, God, for how that you do more, Father, in your church among your people than blend our voices because... Lord, that would be wonderful, but when you bring our hearts together, unite them under the Spirit of God, there's nothing like it. We're thankful, Lord, for this word, for this day, for what they represent. We pray now, Father, that you'd bless this little lump of clay. Lord, I pray here every time I preach, not because it's just something to do, because it's something I need to do. So I pray, God, for your touch. Pray for Joshua's away from other brothers that will stand in, 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 in uh, the gap, so to speak, tonight to feed your people. Have your own way. Bless us in such a way that when we leave, we can say, truly, it's been a good place to be. It's in the name of your Son, Jesus, our Savior, and all of God's people said, Amen. I'm not going to reread any verse of Scripture out of that, but I want you to think with me tonight about these, this, this thought. I'm going to talk to you about Paul's determination Paul's display and Paul's desire. Paul's determination, Paul's display, and Paul's desire. When we step into this book of Corinthians, when we begin to consider, friend, this, this church at the crossroads of the world, if you would allow me to say it that way, we find some of the strangest things anywhere in the Word of God. I mean, Paul called these people at Corinth brothers in Christ. And you say, what were they doing, preacher? Well, pretty much anything and everything. I mean to tell you at the church of Corinth, they, 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 they were defiled. There, there was division. They, there was debauchery in the society. And you know what it had done? It had bled over into the church. Now, we might think, oh, that's awful. And it is. Paul said, because of these things in chapter 11, 
because they were not eating the Lord's Supper in the way that God designed it to be partaken of, the wrong attitude, the wrong conduct, the wrong spirit, they were sick and weak, and some of them died under the judgment of Almighty God. Hey, I want you to know, I'm glad I pastor Roxalana Gospel Tabernacle in Bar and not the first church of, of Corinth. Say amen right there. Man, they were a bunch. I mean to tell you there was a need. Now, Corinth, friend, was a major city in the world of that day. In fact, in fact, it was well known. But I said that it was, it, it was in Corinth that all the world met. And in many, many ways, it did because it was a crossroads of the world. Much of the merchandise, many of the travelers that were going from place to place ended up passing through the city of Corinth. And it was so debauched. It was so filled with sin. It was so far away from God. It was so filled with the philosophies and ideologies of man. It was there that you would, would have found have that great temple to the goddess Aphrodite. Now, I'm not going to spend any time explaining that, but I'll tell you it wouldn't be a good place for the believer to go and worship say amen. I mean to tell you it was ungodly, unholy, and you know what, friend, listen, there was never a city in greater need of something to bring about a change than the city of Corinth. They had many different philosophies. They would be called up, friend, in, in uh, say, the eloquence of a man by the name of Apollos. Apollos was, was a man who was limited in his understanding because he had limited knowledge until Aquila and Priscilla came along and began to instruct him and enlarge his understanding to the great truths about Jesus Christ. They knew Peter, and who wouldn't want to be a disciple of Peter? I mean, after all, listen, friend, Peter heads every list of the apostles that you find in either Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. It's pretty amazing. I mean, they were secretarian, meaning that, uh, that, that they, they, you know what? If Peter preached on Sunday morning, the people that loved Apollos wouldn't be there. If Apollos preached on Sunday evening, the people that followed Peter wouldn't be there. Am I, am I getting through? I mean, I mean, that's the way they were. They were divided right down the line. They, they had so many philosophies, friend, that you could just choose one, and this sounds like the world today, that suits you. The sad part of that is a lot of preachers are saying from the pulpit, just choose whatever the version that you like and go with it God forbid God forbid but here in Corinth religion was running rampant but they needed more than a dead religion could somebody say amen right there and you know what God did God sent a man by the name of Paul. They, hey, listen, friend, they had philosophy, they had religion, they had idolatry, they had just about anything and everything that you wanted to think about and seek after. But you know what? They didn't have what they needed, and they needed salvation by grace through faith. Listen to me, I'm here to declare what Paul declared. It never gets too bad for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I say glory. 
I say glory to God. Listen, the gospel is still to this day the power of God unto salvation. I was out witnessing one night over home. Went, went to the home. Uncle Audie used to live there, Doug, right at Quinlan years ago. And this young man that I graduated with, Deb and I graduated with, or worked with, me and another young preacher went to talk to him. He had grown up with him. I went to school with him. And while we were in there, we began to witness and try to lead him to Christ. And I'll never, as long as I have my mind, Miss Connie, I'll never uh, forget this evening. He was a smoker, and we were in his little sunroom. And, and I began to give him the gospel and ask him, you know, down, lead him down the Romans road. And when I got to the place where I said, look, I've told you the bad news. Now listen to the good news. God sent His Son into this world through a virgin's womb. He lived sinless among us, died substitutionally for us. I began to bring up the gospel. And I'm telling you, listen, that man began to shake. He got up, went and got him a glass of tea. He came back, I picked up right where I left off. He kept shaking, he got up, went and got him a glass of water. Came back, I picked up where I'd left off. Hey, a few more seconds, he got up, went in the, went in the, in the kitchen, come back out with a cigarette he was so nervous he had to chase it you know what I'm saying to try to light it and, and, and he sat down and he said what are you doing to me I said brother I called him by name I said I'm not touching you I'm not doing a thing to you but I'll tell you this gospel is it's the power of God to salvation and it's witnessing to you you need a savior thank God for the power of the gospel Paul said in the book of Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is a power of God unto salvation. And look at what Paul said in verse 1. Look at his determination. For in that city of debauchery, of defilement, of division, and, and, and of all kinds of death, spiritually speaking, of all the things this educated man by the name of Paul, uh, Saul of Tyrus, uh, Paul the Apostle, everything that he learned, uh, maybe down at the schools of, of Cecilia where he went, uh, whether it be in the, uh, maybe the, the synagogue of Gamaliel. I mean, he traveled the world, could speak five different languages, I think it was. Listen, he was educated in every way uh, that he could be. Do you know what he decided to do? Do you know what he determined to do when he got there? Nothing but proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now that may not impress you much, but it does me. Here was a man that was a pioneer for the Pharisees. That religious group that he belonged to. I mean, listen, let's just face it. He was forging new territory. I bless God when Jesus met him on the road to Damascus and only a man with nail-scarred hands could stop Paul, get his attention, and turn him from darkness to light. By the way, he's the only man can turn us to. Paul, Listen, Paul was wise. Paul was eloquent. Now they said that his speech is contemptible. But you know where I find him in chapter 17 of the book of Acts? On Mars Hill. When all of those Athenians in the 
Aragopagus, whatever it is. If I'm looking at it, I can say it. If I'm trying to do it in my memory, I can't. And that temple thing up on the top of Athena. You, you remember what I'm talking about? Where all the intellectuals met. Where all the, uh, where all the educated gurus met. All of those that wanted to do nothing from day to day. But here, some new thing. Thank God when Paul got there, they heard something new. They heard about a God that didn't need anything. And a God that sent his son that died at Calvary. But on the third and appointed morning, come out from among the dead. What a message the Apostle Paul took to the church down at Corinth. to a step. Paul had a determination. He said, now listen to this. He had thought this out. I mean to tell you, look, he had th- y'all know what? Everybody listen right now say amen. We ought to think a little bit before we speak. Wouldn't have to apologize so much. I'm guilty right there. He said, and I, brethren, look at it as a determination. Look what he wanted to avoid. When I came to you, it came not with excellency of speech or wisdom declaring unto you the testimony of men. You know, when Paul was preaching, You know what he tried to do? The Bible said that he became all things to all men, that he might by all means win some. Now, I've I've read after people, heard preachers who were ignorant, lacking of knowledge, not understanding how to rightly divide the Word of God. They said Paul changed his message. Paul changed his message depending on where he was at and, and, and who he was with. He changed the message. No, he didn't change the message. He, cha- he Listen, he changed the method that he delivered his message with. To the Jews, he became a Jew. To the Greek, he became to the Greek. To the wise, to the unwise, he became all, me- all things to all men that he might by all means save I believe, I believe with all of my heart, if he went to a bunch of fishermen beside the Sea of Galilee, you know what he did before he witnessed? He testified about fishing. I believe when he was at Athens, I believe he talked uh, philosophy with them on the hill. And he said, oh, hey, look, I'm going to tell you something besides philosophy. I'm going to tell you, uh, bless God, something about theology. And I'm going to point you to Jesus. That's why I believe Paul did it. But when he went, now you think of this. This blows my mind. This man, this great, eloquent, worldly, educated, successful man, friend, who had been around for a while, when he went to Corinth, he took the simplicity of the gospel and it changed a corrupt worldly city and established a church there that we still read about 2,000 years later. Isn't that amazing? Paul's determination. I don't know about y'all, but I need to check on my determination. It wasn't his eloquence or any human means that he made any kind of success or or any kind of headway uh, there in, in that place called Corinth. But it was by his determination, his... Hey, how many of y'all have been out, and I'm trying to embarrass anything, just, just say amen, or you can raise your... How many of y'all been out, either knocking on doors through the years that I've been here, or hanging door hangers like's been going on for the last few weeks, and we'll continue? Well, look, this place is about to finish the third time we've covered Dunbar with invitations to Jesus. How many of y'all done that? Say Amen. Okay, several, but not everybody. You can still get on if you want to. Can I tell you what? Every time Miss Phyllis and Josh or Miss Phyllis and I or anybody else from the times we got those bookmarks begin to, uh, begin to advertise this place, y- could y'all imagine what we put, what we put 
on, on all of our invitations? It's not my picture, and they all said glory, hallelujah. Amen. Don't try to get any cardboard size thing of me and put it in the window. You run people off that way. It'd be like a scarecrow in a garden. Amen. We put the gospel in its simplest terms. You say, why, preacher? Because nothing else will work to bring men to Christ. It must be the message, the primary message of Jesus Christ crucified, buried, and resurrected. And I say, glory to God right there. How wonderful. I tell you what, I'm enjoying this whether you all are or not. I struggled to get this message. It's amazing how the Lord does it. I'm, I'm getting older than I've ever been, okay? Debbie swears up and down we're not old, we're just getting older. And there are times that I sit down at my desk and I absolutely can't keep my eyes open. You ever read something six times and then still don't know what you've read? I mean, you open your eyes and you're surprised that you've been asleep. You ever do that? God, help me. I fought that this afternoon. I felt like I was carrying a, a load of bricks. And I said, Lord, listen, I've got an old outline, and here it is. That's what I thought I'd preach, but the moved in. Man, listen, I got to looking at this, and I got to thinking, wow, with a little bit of help and no time, you ought to see this chicken scratch up here. I'm telling you, I needed an interpreter for this tongue stuff I got on this piece of paper. God began to just open my heart to this. Hey, friend, we, listen now, I'm going to move on. We ought to have some kind of determination. I've blessed God so great in our heart that nothing will deter us. Look what he goes on to say in verse 2. For I am determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. You know what Paul, he not only avoided, but he avowed. He avowed, friend, listen, that he would preach something strange to them. I'm told, now I, I couldn't find this out, but I'm told the next to the last word, I believe it is in, in verse 1, the third to the last word, where it says the testimony of God. You, I, I am told by scholars, all right, a good scholarly man of God, a theologian, that that can also be mystery. It's referring to a mystery. You say, what's the what's a mystery, preacher? A mystery, we've been preaching about the mystery parables of the kingdom on Sunday morning. We'll continue that at least three more weeks, the good Lord willing. A mystery is a divine secret. It's something that is known of God, not known to man, cannot be uh, sought out or understood by man until God reveals it to man and Paul said look let's face it let's face it he said this this message of resurrection is a mystery now it's not to us but it was in the Old Testament I mean to tell you before before Christ came died and gave this message to his apostles it was friend uh, it, it was you know what Paul preached he preached, now listen, he preached, he preached a strange message. You say, what do you mean? He preached a dying man on a Roman cross suffering for the sins of someone else being buried in a borrowed tomb and somewhere or another coming back. He preached that to Greeks. 
Now, I don't have time to explain that, but that's a big deal. They would have thought if you got rid of the body, why would you want it back again? They preached that to the Jews. You know what? The Jews looked for a Savior. They looked for a Messiah. They looked for one uh, that would come riding a great white stallion to relieve them of the oppression of Rome. When they began to read the Old Testament like Isaiah 52, you know what? They couldn't understand how their exalted, victorious Messiah could also be a suffering, dying Messiah. I mean, this message of the gospel went against the world. But you know what Paul said? I'm determined. I'm not going to change my message. I'm not going to reach into my pocket and pull anything else. I'm just going to preach to that group of sinners, a dying man on a Roman cross, to be their only. But I say, thank God, the message is still good in 2022. Now, let me ask y'all to do something. I'm going to move on, and I'm almost done. Let me ask y'all something. How many times have you heard the message of the gospel? How many years now? Hey, look, I'm 69. This will be the 69th year. Night. Sound like somebody from Boone County, don't I? 69th year. Even still, when I say it that way, I sound like somebody from Boone County, by the way. Uh, the 69th year I've heard of the virgin birth of Jesus. Of the wise men coming to give him gifts, gold, silver, and frankincense. Of him fleeing to Egypt. Of the death of Herod. Of him coming back and finding a home in Nazareth. I've heard that message 69 years. And you know what? I'm excited about hearing it again. Thank God in my radio program, my radio ministry. I just started a new series the other day out of Galatians 4 4. When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son. Do you all know that at least... At least, if I remember correctly, I, I'll get this wrong without looking. I forget how many times, let me put it this way, a bunch of times in the book of John, Jesus was referred to as being sent from God. Isn't that amazing? Hey, freedom was no accident that he came. He came for you and you and you and me. And I say glory. Hallelujah. I never get tired of hearing about somebody loving me enough that he wanted to leave the portals of glory, enter into the stream of humanity, live among me, die for me, raise for my justification, and promise after he left he'd be back for me? Who would get tired of such a message? But Paul, listen, friend, his determination was, was to uh, proclaim Christ. Look, let me give you another. Look at verses 3 and 4. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. What's the next word? But in demonstration of the Spirit and power. You know what? Paul not only had a determination, but he had a display. Can I tell you what? The wisdom of men and the philosophies of man cannot, mark it down, cannot get the job done. I, I have told you in this day of progressive uh, church age. And by the way, I never will forget when I heard the word progressive the first time. I thought, what in the world does that mean? Well, I know more now and I wish I did know. But it's all wrong, by the way, whether it's political or whether it's theological or ecclesiastical or spiritual, whatever word you want to choose. It's not a good thing 
Not a you know what? Paul had a determination that he was displaying stuff. Do you know that there are preachers, and y'all know this, I do, that, that are so much more capable and eloquent than what I am behind this pulpit. I listen to myself preach. And there are times I wonder why anybody would listen to this old country preacher. And I mean that. I mean that with all of my heart. One of the things I did for that Timothy group that we had here a couple of years ago, and all these young men, I said, you listen to yourself preach. I said, if the people in the pew have to listen to you, you should have to listen to yourself. It's a hard thing. How many of you all really like to listen to your own voice on a tape recorder? Probably maybe 0.001% of us all. And there's something strange about you if you do, by the way. I mean, it's a weird experience. I don't sound like that. Yeah, you sound exactly like that. I mean, it's a tough tough exercise, but it's good. Do you know what Paul, friend, listen? Paul wasn't worried about, if it took eloquence to get people saved, I wouldn't have it. But I'll tell you what we need. Listen, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what I need more than anything that I know. If you all pray that God would put a touch on me. That God would anoint the ministry that's done in this pulpit in this church. And I believe He has and is. We need the touch of God. We need the power and the demonstration of the Spirit of God in everything we do. Greeters smiling at people uh, to, the, uh, to the singing to the choir, to the teaching kids to the proclamation of the gospel to the playing of the musician hey we need a touch of God on it all and that's what Paul relied on Paul said this I'm going to read it I, I quote it just about every time I tried before I get in the pulpit it's in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and 5 Paul said for our gospel came not unto you in word only Remember the other day I preached a message in this pulpit and told you that there are places today that are teaching in seminaries that you don't need the Word of God when you preach? Well, see, why preach if you don't preach the Word of God? You're just, you're just listen, burning daylight, wasting time. Listen, there are a lot of people that, like I said, in, in ability and word, friend, that they, they've got the word down pat, the elocution, the timing, the persuasion, the different you know, uh, tones of the voice, you know what I'm saying, to influence and whatever. They're captivating. They are motivators. Listen, if God doesn't motivate you, I don't have anything that will. I'm not, I, I don't have that ability. I don't have that talent. I just want to declare, bless God. I just want to rear back and preach. You, th- this fellow by the name of Tony Hudson, and I'll move on and get done in just a couple of minutes. Tony Hudson, you know you, you know, you get around a bunch of preachers and they get strange. Y'all know what a preacher's conference is like? It's like a traffic jam. Everybody blowing their own horn trying to get out front. Amen. I mean, they can ask you, how many did you is what they want to know, meaning how many did you have Sunday? They want to know, you know, if you what, you know what, you got a doctorate degree and all this kind of stuff. And Tony, Tony Hudson, he's funny, he just like to jerk people around. He said, I've got an RBA degree, something like that. And he said, What do you mean RBA? And this guy said, Oh, you know, and anyway, he come back to Tony. He said, What is that? And he said, Well, it's just a rare back RBP degree. Yeah, just rare back and preach. <laughs> Amen. That's all I want. I just want the touch of God. 
listen, if I don't have that, I don't have anything and you all don't get anything. Let me move on to the last couple of uh, verses, the last point, the last verse, verse 5. He said that your faith, here's his desire. We had his determination, we had his display, and look at his desire. And this is the desire of every man that's been called of God. I love, I love, I love the moniker, man of God. I've met a few. And when you meet them, you'll know them. Man, I'm telling you, they'll walk past you and you'll know. You'll know. And by the way, ladies, there's some women of God too. That's, I'm, but I'm talking about generally, I'm talking about a preacher here. You know what I'm talking about that. Now, there, there are people that's got the power of God on them all through the church. I mean, different, different reasons for different things, different talents, different ministries. It's the same power. I don't think I'm a man of God, but I am glad to be I'm, a, 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 I'm one of God's men. I like that. I wish I were a man of God. I just don't think I, I don't think I fit that category. It's my opinion. You may have a different one. God bless you if you do. But I'm glad to know I'm one of God's men. Listen to Paul's desire. Every man of God or every man that God has called and laid his hands on, this is their desire. Y'all know, you know, y'all know what a preacher wants? He wants to see results. This is one of the strangest jobs that anybody could ever be called to, folks. I know you all don't know that like I do, and other preachers don't understand that statement. When we do something, we, I mean, Don, why do you all give tests in school? Because you want subjective feedback, right? Isn't that true? Is it, it's objective, not sub. It's objective feedback. In the ministry, man, you, you, you don't get, you, some didn't get. I mean, it's hard to figure out whether, you know, I mean, and, and rarely is it immediate. Rarely is it immediate. But can I tell you what? One of the greatest things about being a pastor is watching you all grow. Collectively, but especially individually. And it gets really good for this pastor. I don't know about the others when you recognize you're growing. See, a lot of times I'll see growth in you that you don't see in yourself. But it's one begin to see growth in yourself and what it does for you and does so you say, listen to Paul's desire come on Judy he said that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men but in the power of God hey listen if y'all if you all looked to stand in what you are in your faith or in the ability of your pastor this old boy this old country boy from 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 Bob White Boone County y'all got the wrong man as your pastor but if you've got me here because you believe, friend, that Christ and the Father has me and that I have His Word and your message, and I believe He's got us together for the right reason, for the right, for the right hour, the right day. Hey, I don't believe we're here accidentally. I believe this is God's plan. I believe, and it's so good. Y'all remember Scott Polly? Man, pray that He'll give us more than one day. I just love that young man. So proud of him. You talk about somebody in the will of God. That man is in the will of God. Now listen, he could be something way else as far as in, in position and prominence. But that doesn't mean that he'd be in the position God wanted him in. But he's where he ought to be. You know what? I think I'm where I ought to be. I, I believe this. I believe you're where you ought to be. 
I don't believe God's assembled us by accident. I don't believe God has brought us together just because there's no other place or nothing. I believe we're here for a purpose. And I believe we ought to determine, bless God. And I believe you are, so don't take a state for all. Do what we do the best we can for the glory of God. Every head bad, nobody looking around. I'm going to the Lord in prayer, and I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. First of all, is there somebody here lost tonight? You're backslidden on God, not where you ought to be, want to be, need to be, used to be. Well, it's no accident that you're here. Man, I'll tell you, the Spirit of God's been in this place this evening. And if you're not right, listen, in a relationship with Jesus, why don't you get right? If you used to be closer than what you are now, you know what, it'd be a good time to get as close as you were and even more. If you're not satisfied with your testimony, your life, your spiritual condition, we'll give an altar call, give you a time to pray. And if that's you tonight, don't you slip your hand up, why don't you better than that get up out of your seat and come kneel to an altar of prayer and have that little talk with Jesus that makes it right. If you won't come to the altar, would you slip your hand up and say, Will that preacher pray for me? Anybody at all? Not sure I'm going to heaven if I die. God bless you. Not sure that not sure that if I die I'm going to heaven. Anybody? Here's for the church. I don't know if my determination is all it should be, preacher. I've just thought of something. I, I'm busy, I'm active, but I don't know if it's my determination is right. I don't know if what I do is according to the Spirit of God or just simply the ability that I have. And that's a that's an important thing to consider. God's spoken to you, and you know the hour is late. You know what your heart says, and you want to do it for the glory of God, for the benefit of His people, and you just want to consider ration in this prayer that I'm going to pray that you put your hand and put it back down. Say, I need my determination strengthened, preacher. God bless you, and you, and you. Hands going up everywhere. God bless you. God bless you. Father, we're thankful tonight for the Word how precious it is, how powerful that it is. You told us under the pen of Paul as he wrote to the Hebrews, the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing, even the dividing the sunder, soul and spirit, the joints of the marrow, and can discern the thoughts and the intents of the heart. God, I'm glad that the word is able to go to the heart of man, the heart of the matter. There's people that says my determination needs stirred, it needs strengthened, it needs deepened. There's a lot to get in our way in this day, Lord. There's a lot of opposition. We've been taught, Lord, from the beginning that there are at least three enemies of the believer, the world, the flesh, and the devil. But we've also been taught that we've got victory in Christ. The greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. That we ought to pray, thanks be unto God tonight and strengthen my brothers and sisters. Bless them individually and God therefore collectively make us to be church, congregation, disciples of Christ that we ought to be in this hour that you've called us to, this place that you've called us to, to do the work for all. Thank you for your word. Thank you for Paul, the message. Thank you that you've given it to to this place tonight. We love you. Move in our hearts. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's stand and sing whatever daughter Judy has. If you need to pray.